Welcome to Small Business Big Network, the podcast for small business owners who want big results from their networking. I'm Liz Drury, a freelance voiceover artist who knows that if you're not working, then networking could help. Phil Coley is the Chief Sales Officer of the Business Plus Group, which incorporates a wide range of business services. He's also the founder of a business network that's been made accessible to the deaf community. Thank you very much for joining me on the podcast today, Phil. Oh, it's been really great to be here today with you, Liz. So thank you for inviting me. Now, Phil, you wear a number of business hats, I think it's fair to say. How would you describe your business interests currently? Um, I would probably describe them as all about business services, but predominantly around making money for businesses through sales and marketing and managing that money through our accountancy practice. And you've been an entrepreneur from a pretty young age. Tell me about your first business venture. Yeah, yes, yeah, no, no, I have. I'm probably showing my age here as well. But uh, <laughs> yeah, my, my, my first sort of venture was, was in my, my early years. Um, it was about 11 or 12. And, and I just wanted to be doing something. And um, going back all those years ago, you had your local newspaper that you could advertise mm-hmm. and classifieds. And that was the main thing. So I started up a little paper in our little village. And my first ever advert I sold was to the local butcher. And we had a little A4 sheet that we would put in about 150 homes in the local area. Now, for the younger generation to understand this, I was using a thing called Letraset, which yeah. basically was was a, a typed word and it was like a transfer and mm. you scrubbed it on and then you had to photocopy it. So yeah, that was the that was my first ever venture and my, my first ever advert. So um, I think sales is in my blood somewhere. Yeah, absolutely. I'd forgotten all about Letraset actually until you <laughs> mentioned that just then, but wasn't that a really time consuming way of doing things? <laughs> Oh, hugely. I mean, everybody today goes, oh, I've got to do things on computer. I was like, well, you should try Letraset, <laughs> particularly when you when you run out of a letter. Yes. You had to go back to WH Smith to buy another sheet of all the letters. <laughs> so what would you say your ambitions were back then? I, I don't know, really. Um, sport always featured highly for me, so I was always fairly competitive. But I think I always had a sort of entrepreneurial spirit inside me of, you know, what what could I do to even in my sort of teenage years, what could I do so I could get some money so I could spend it on things? And that's that's what I looked at is what skills can I do? So yes, I, I did a, a sort of free flyer in the locality, did a bit of gardening. I did a, a bottling up job for a, a local hotel as well. So I was just sort of filling my days, you know, outside of school time with, with how can I make some money? Yeah. Now you mentioned sport there. I think you um, did some qualifications in, in sport, didn't you? Yes, yeah, I did. I mean, for me, I played sport to a high level in my, my junior years, both hockey and, and rugby and, and sport. Not just playing the sport, but understanding what makes an individual or a team tick. Mm. Um, and most of the time I, I was I was a captain of a team. Um, so always had those leadership qualities. And, and back then in the late 80s, early 90s, the sort of field of sports science and sports psychology was only really just becoming apparent in the UK. Mm. So I managed to get onto one of the first ever sports science um, courses at St Mary's in London. And that gave me the ability then to, to study sports psychology and really understand what makes people tick and teams tick. Mm. And I was I was really lucky to go to the Barcelona Games working with some Olympians as well as part of the sports science support programme. So for me, I I sort of got exposure 
early on with professional teams and professional sports and really understanding what makes them tick and and of course that magical word that seems to be the big business sort of buzzword of coaching is something I've been involved in now for you know sort of over 25 years. Yeah well it sounds like your career got off to a a pretty good start. Yes. Yeah. No. No. I, I. I would. I would say it did. I mean, I left. I left school and started selling advertising for three years because I realised I wasn't mature enough to go to university because mm. I didn't want. To, didn't know what I wanted to do. Um, so again, that gave me a grounding in in sales and um, you know the, the hard line of sales. And then you know my sort of passion for sport. I could go and do the degree I wanted. And I was, you know, only three three years on, but I was much more mature in what I wanted to do and how I could do that. And yeah. you know that that was really fortuitous. Yeah. So where has your career gone since then? I mean, a twist of fate, really. I mean, I suppose I had the opportunity that I could have stayed in sport. And I think, again, my my hunger for success, but but also my understanding of, you know, what you put in is what you get out. Mm. I could never earn enough in sport, but I was practising in sport. I was really, you know, lucky to work with Olympians and world champions, European champions across a number of different sports. And one of the sports that I was working closely in was high-level squash. Mm. So I was working with Squash UK. And and I was on the side of a squash court working with some up-and-coming juniors at a European Championships and was watching a particular game. And then somebody tapped me on the shoulder and I turned around. It was a, a mother of an aspiring squash player and she said oh you, you're a sports psychologist or a sports scientist so I mm-hmm. believe and I said yes yeah no I, I am and I do this and she went do you ever do anything in business and I was like what do you want me to do and she said well I'd love you to come and talk to my my sales teams um and talk about you know what makes a team and motivation visualization and all the things I could do and I was like more than happy to do that I mean I, I know that I can stand up in front of people and obviously I had a three years in in business before that time so I was like yeah no I'll I'll come and do that Mm -hmm. not really knowing quite what I was letting myself in for but having a level of confidence to go yes I can I can do that so it turned out at that stage that she was actually the sales director for Debenhams and she wanted me to do a whole training course with all of their senior sales managers Wow. about yeah so and I was like yeah and I, I I sort of don't shy away from a challenge so I was like yeah no no I can I can do that so I was I was able to deliver um, a whole workshop on the you know high performing traits of sports teams and, and in individuals at the highest level and that really then gave me an insight to what was in my head would be really useful in business mm. and I then actually, I didn't even know what to charge. And I said, well, what do you want to pay for the day? And then she said a figure and I was like, wow, that's more than I get in sports. So <laughs> yeah. I was like, yeah, yeah, no, that's, that's, that's fine. That's acceptable. And that, that started me on my, my corporate career at that stage. So it was serendipity, really, that, that took you to, to where you are. <laughs> Yes. Yeah, no, no, absolutely. And, and I think, you know, lots of people talk, you know, it's, it's right place, right time. And, mm. and there's always there's always a little bit of luck and you make your own luck. And yeah, that was for me was was lucky. And it did mean I went in a, in a new direction. Yeah, brilliant. So tell me about what happened in 2015. You had a pretty major health scare. Yeah, I did. I did. I, I try not to think back on it, but then I do think back on it. And I go, well, I'm still here today. Um, I mean, I think at that time, particularly through 2014, 2015, I was pushing myself too hard in mm. a particular business venture and I was juggling one or two businesses. And, and I learned a lot from that. But the upshot of that was I was sort of propping one business up by the other. And I was I was doing a lot of work in the US and I'd been I'd, I'd done just a stupid thing. I'd stepped out of a doorway and I 
broke my foot. I was oh. unaware of broken my foot. I just like, God, that hurts. And I, I drove to London and it was still hurting. And then that evening I was like, maybe I've sprained it or something. So I went to the hospital and they said, did you drive here? I went, yeah. They said, well, you won't be driving back. And I was mm. like, okay. So I broke, I broke my foot. But the key for me then, because I was, I was fairly frantic in business life at that stage was, will I be out of a cast in six weeks time? And they mm. said, you should be out in five and went brilliant because I knew I was going to the States. Um, So I had to do it. So to cut a long story short, went to the States for 12 days, was, was stood up for a lot of that time doing coaching, returned back to the UK and unbeknown to me because hadn't healed properly. Mm. And I, I was on a plane and I didn't bother moving around. I basically got DVT. And so arrived back in the UK um, that evening, I was at home alone and just unbeknown to me, it formed a clot 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 hit my heart and I didn't have a heart attack I just had a heart seizure Mm. um and it stopped and and you know I don't know lady luck was was looking down on me because if I if I had broken my fall then I wouldn't be here today because I didn't break my fall I hit the ground pretty hard it it has there's a medical term for it but it basically jump-started me right and um yeah I managed to dial 99 and ended up in hospital for nine days and they said yep you've had a dvt it actually went to your lungs but it's called caused you a seizure we're going to keep you in and you know and then it was all unraveling in front of me sort of my lifestyle up to that point and pushing too hard with business and high blood pressure blah 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 so it was it was a whole sort of it was I don't know it was a perfect storm is probably the best way to describe it yeah but I imagine that changed your outlook on life did it hugely yeah, hugely. And it was it was quite bizarre. I mean, when the, the ambulance came, they, they gave me some kind of drugs or whatever to get me there. And I mean, I remember texting my, my now wife going, I'm in an ambulance, you know, and she, she was miles away. And she was, you know, it was just all really surreal. Even for me, it, it was surreal to be going, I'm in an ambulance because I shouldn't, you know, it was just most bizarre. But it, it was definitely one of those moments where you go, OK, this is a wake up call. Yeah. Something's got to change, you know, and, and you sort of reflect on everything then. So it, it definitely made me change everything. Yeah. And I know you're not the only one to have had serious health issues because then your wife was ill. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, crikey, we, we did go through the, through the mill, particularly yeah. probably for sort of a period over four or five years. Then my wife and I at that stage were, you know, we, we'd, we'd only recently just got married. We were, we were working and, you know, working on just getting a work-life balance. And one of those things was to, to move to France and get a property and could we do a property up? And we couldn't, you know, financial situation at that stage, we couldn't really afford what we wanted and France was attractive. But in the middle of all of that, which was a, a positive change for us and, you know, doing new things was she, my, my wife is fair skinned and she's got a number of moles on mm. her body, a, a lot, a lot of, of moles. And just one of them just wasn't quite right. And yeah. she went to the doctors and they went, oh, well, it, it's probably nothing but come back or we can't get an appointment. It's, it's one of those. And she went, look, I know my body, this isn't right. And they said, well, we'll see if we can see you. And she, she did kick up a bit of a stink mm. and they got her in and then, the next day she was in in hospital and was having the melanoma removed and we were hoping at that stage that it had been caught but no sadly it hadn't and from from that point you know those people that would know about skin cancer it's very much a a silent killer so it had spread it had gone in and then it was was she went through all sorts of treatment both in the UK and then finally in in France um she had lymph nodes uh, removed and, and all sorts. And, and really w- what we went through was there was a 12% chance of her actually surviving. So oh, wow. um, that was that was pretty tough for us yeah. to go through. Yeah. And it led to you doing a lot of fundraising, I believe. 
Yeah, it, it did. I mean, one of the things was my, my wife is, is fairly um, fairly placid and I wouldn't say she, she uh, uses bad language very often. But there's, <laughs> there was one time when I went, look, it's going to be all right. And that was a big flare up for her. Like, it's not going to be all right or words to that effect. Mm-hmm. People can fill, it, fill in the blanks. And it, it just made me realise that, you know, it's being a partner of someone going through cancer. And I, and I speak about this quite a lot is you don't quite know what to do or what to say at mm-hmm. times. And I was feeling myself a little bit frustrated. So, of course, I was there supporting and, and going through those things. But I was just like, I want to do something. So I just came up with this idea because Macmillan nurses were were amazing for my wife in the first part of her treatment in the UK. And if you go into a hospital and particularly in the cancer ward, you just see nurses. There's nothing to tell you there that Macmillan nurses mm. and Macmillan do provide a large number of nurses for those with cancer. And I don't think enough people know that or yeah. knew that. So I was like, right, I'm going to raise some awareness and some money. And at that stage as a company, we were supporting a homeless charity uh, based in Cheltenham as well. And I was like, oh, I'm going to do a dual one. So I thought, right, I'm going to come up with a challenge. Nothing that's, you know, p- people can cycle from London to Paris. I, I was like, I'm not going to do anything that's sort of standard. I want to do something that that pushes and actually, you know, yes, it gets a bit of PR for the two charities, but also it just, it, it'll help me see who I am. Mm. So, so I undertook to walk um, 360 miles in 12 days, which was walking around the county boundary of Gloucestershire, starting in the middle of the county, going down to Bristol, where, where Southmead Hospital, where my wife had majority of her treatment, and then walked around that boundary. And I was sleeping rough every night. Whoa. So <laughs> it was it was a really big challenge and something that was, was different. And on the, on the surface of it, you know, it's like, okay, you're walking, sort of walking on average 30 miles a day and it sounds okay and Gloucestershire's a lovely county and it, it's all great and for me it was the training I put the tra- I put five months of training in mm. to do that which was which was great but even once you get into those days there was one day I think it was about day six and you know I think day three the blister started to come mm-hmm. and you, know, you start you start to, you start to feel it feel it all and it was day it was day six and I ended up doing um, just over 40 miles um, from one part of Gloucestershire to the next, and it was just one of the days where it's just constant rain, you know, just, <laughs> just, just horrendous. And I think that's when it hit me about loneliness. Yeah. And and I'm fairly, you know, fairly positive, fairly out there, and it, it's just like, geez, you know, I, I did walk that forty miles in beautiful countryside, but it was pouring with rain, and I never saw a shop, a person, or anything. And you go, wow, this is a little bit lonely. Yeah. And and I suppose then it 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 was a I could reflect then on those that are homeless can be yeah. really lonely if they don't have the right interaction and and also those who are going through cancer it can be a really really lonely mm. place because because of that so yeah it was it was a, a huge learning curve for me raised over seven thousand pound which was which was amazing split between the the two charities so I felt I did something and I felt I raised the awareness and that was one of the important things yeah fantastic so let's talk a bit about about networking now how has networking been a feature of your business life Oh, it's been a huge feature. Um, I mean, even today, and somebody asked me last week, you know, how much of your business comes through networking, and 40% of, of our business comes through mm. networking. So it's a big feature for me. Now, my first ever networking I went to was back in the late 90s. So I've been networking for, you know, I would say a long time. And I've done some of the established groups and I've done some of the smaller groups. And for me, the number one with, with networking is it does work. And you just have to have a process and a mindset mm-hmm. with networking to make it make it work. So I've I've 
tried them all I've done done it all and I've tried all different ways of, of doing it and what I found and particularly in the last couple of years is I think networking now is is even better than it's ever been because you have the choice now of face-to-face yeah. and online yeah. you have that choice now and I think for me any of my businesses wouldn't have happened without good networking yeah and so what do you think is is working for you personally in your business now? What kind of networking? So, so uh, what kind? I think that's an interesting question with the what kind. I do know how networking works for me. And that might be better for me to answer that, mm. that one first. Is regardless if the networking is online or it's face to face, for me, it's always the same process. You're never going to get, in my eyes, and what I found over the past, you never get anything really in the first six months yeah. because you're building relationships. Yes. And, I, and I see far too many people go to a networking group once or twice, throw out email after email after email or business card after business card, and you go, do you know what? You don't understand how mm-hmm. to network. There's a proper process to do it. Because for me, it's about you know, it's about building trust. It's about building yeah. trust with people, and it's it's about helping people. So I've always lots of people know I have a really good contact base so I always look at how can I help somebody first yeah and then from that I know that something will will come to me and I and I do I do remember from from when I was a member of, of B&I many years ago you know they do say you know givers gain and and I suppose I've always held that in my yeah. in my head for networking that I will always give and I'll always help anybody I can because I know ultimately it will come back yeah and I think we have to look at it as a, it's a marathon, not a sprint, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah, no, no, it is. So tell me about the network that, that you've set up. Yes. So I, I probably right now, I probably network in six or seven different places because part of what my, my role in, in our business is now, I'm very much the, the face of and, and out there. But one of the things that, that st- stuck with me was when I was back in Gloucestershire, six years ago I was a a member of a group a local group which was just a single group of business people across Cheltenham and Gloucester really nice group but it it was for not for profit and one of the charities they supported was the Gloucestershire Deaf Association Mm. and um, a a guy came from the Gloucestershire Deaf Association who was deaf he came with an interpreter and he wanted to encourage more local businesses to look at employing deaf people and I was sat there and I was really humbled by this guy coming into a room who, you know, is is deaf and he's with an interpreter and he was willing to stand up and, you know, have what he was saying interpreted to the group. And I was like, wow. So I chatted to him and I said, well, how does this work? And and really him him and I just created a, an amazing friendship. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he, he and his wife are both great friends of mine now, but we've always stayed in touch. We always do things and we as a company still support um, the deaf community hugely because of my introduction to him so so Reg Cobb is is my great friend who is now the CEO of a company called Deaf Plus a uh, charity called Deaf Plus in, in London now he and I two years ago were chatting over Covid and the challenges and he was saying it's a massive challenge for us now in the deaf community because of masks and so many deaf yeah. people you know they they, they can't lip read and oh, just just a nightmare and I was like God, I can't can't continue like this so March of last year I I had this idea because I was doing a lot of zoom online networking I said look Reg I I reckon we can do a networking group that we can bring in the deaf community and we can have those who are deaf and those who are not hard of hearing I reckon we can do it as a network so he went 
well, how do all it work? And I said, look, you know, we'll do a 90 second round and we'll do a guest speaker. And when I speak, we can have the interpreter can sign. And when you're when you're signing Reg, the interpreter can speak. And he went, well, I reckon we could do this. So we got a few friend, friends together and we said, right, we're going to do it over six months. Once a month, let's just run it. And the first two were amazing, you know, and, and it was like, wow, we stumbled on something here. So we now have two um, monthly networking groups, one for the south and one for the north with no more than 14 people at each one mm -hmm. and it is a mix of those that are deaf and those that are not hard of hearing so exactly as I was 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 explaining we have two interpreters so everyone's on screen and a deaf person can see the interpreter and when the interpreter is speaking then the rest of us can obviously hear mm -hmm. what, what's 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 being said and it's amazing the feedback we get and it's amazing when you talk to people so people go oh well I know somebody who's deaf or I know somebody who's partial you know hard of hearing yeah. and that they're doing this and suddenly we've opened up into this, this whole new area so in one way people go oh it's great Phil and I go it is great but in another way it's massively sad that we are the there's only these two networking groups in the whole of the UK we actually think in the whole of the world if we're honest that actually caters for the deaf community mm. in business, working with other business people. So as I say, it's great in one way and it's really sad in another mm. way, but I, I, I think we're on the, the cusp of something and we, we're working with another networking group um, in the South called Zoco and they're kindly on com board, coming on board as a partner and they run online and also face-to-face -face, and they've committed to testing and trialling at their face-to-face -face meetings, having a signer there as well so that we can incorporate the deaf community. So yeah, it's, it's really exciting. Yeah. And so what kinds of, of businesses are, have been represented at your meetings? So we, we've had a we've had a whole range. We've we've had larger organisations um, who come through my network. We've then had smaller organisations and, and solopreneurs as well from from both sides. So we, we have some deaf charities come. We also have some people in the deaf community that are either uh, we've got a um, physiotherapist. Um, who is deaf, who works in there. We have a chef, who again, who is deaf. We have a translator who is deaf. We also have somebody who does uh, a range of different courses in terms of e-learning. So it doesn't matter if you're deaf or not, they, they are running those. So we, we have a whole array of different businesses. So what I say to people is, apart from having an interpreter there, you wouldn't know it was different to yeah. any other networking meeting. And that's what we want it. Yes. We want it to be inclusive. And we don't want people to go, oh, that's the deaf networking group. It's like, well, no, it's not. Because, yes, there are deaf people there. That's because we're all catering for, for yep. each other. And that's how it works. Yeah. Yeah, it's a network that is accessible to deaf people, but not Correct. a deaf people's network. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. So what are your plans for the future? I mean, ultimately, the plans, and I think people ask me that, is we, we run the group for free because, for me, it's a, we want to promote It Works. And we would probably never go more than having regional groups. Yeah. Because there are lots of amazing networking groups out there, of which I'm a member of, of a number. And if, through what I do, it shows other networking groups that you can be inclusive for the deaf community and other networking groups start to do the same then actually that to me is a win I'm not looking at it as a commercial entity I'm looking at this is how can we help the deaf community in business become better represented yeah and just tell me a little bit about the business that, that you're running at the moment the business plus group what what do you do yeah, within Business Plus, and I've got an amazing business partner, Mark Pierce, and he and I came together four years ago now. And, and Mark and I laugh and, and joke, my strengths are people and leadership and sales. And 
as a salesperson, I'm out there selling and, you know, for me, it's like, right, the money's coming in you go after shiny objects. And, and I would I wouldn't be a classic salesperson, but I would be, you know, I, I have sales uh, salesperson's traits. And so Mark and I joke because when, when he came to our original business, which was iPlus, which is 10 years old this year, which is our sales and marketing agency, Mark originally came in to partner with me on that. And it wasn't in a mess, but he was like, I can tell this has been run with a salesperson. So <laughs> he he came in. He he now very much is the um, the chief exec of all of our businesses. And, and Mark comes from the accounting background. So all of our money is absolutely correct everything yeah. you know, there's we as a business we're very solid hugely solid and, and and in that so that then came out of that is within mark skills we then set up um instant insight business accounting which is our accountancy practice mm -hmm. and again mark and i have that so we have a sales and marketing agency we have a an accountancy firm we also have a digital publishing um, arm as well which is revolving around business owners and we have a website called the business owner and that's all about business owner life we have features and interviews with uh, business owners and companies and articles and we mail out to uh, 114,000 business owners every week and then we've just launched a, a VA and IT support business and and it sounds great what we're doing and it, it's really driven by our customers mm. so our, our customers are saying Ideally, we just want all our business services really in one place and we just want one yeah. invoice and, and to do that. And they trust what we do and they like the way that we that we do it. So we might have a client who's who's wants us to do some lead generation and sales and then they go, oh, I see you've got this. And then we introduce them into it. So, so it's, it's, it's a slow burn, but it's a, it's a strong growth curve for us in terms of providing those services. Yeah. Well, it sounds like you provide lots of different things and, and I'm sure you're going to continue to provide more by the Absolutely. sound of it. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So if people listening uh, are interested in finding out more either about the Business Plus Group or about the networking, what's the best way to contact you, Phil? Yeah, so the majority, the best way to go is to go to the Business Plus Group website so businessplusgroup.co.uk you will find all the links on there you can also go to my personal branded site which is phil-coley.com and that you can find out more about my sales angle and also my sales coaching that I do with people but again it's part of the i plus um, element as well so it's in terms of our sales marketing but if you go to either of those two websites you can find links to everything across those Lovely. Well, thank you very much, Phil. That's been really insightful and best of luck with your business and your network. Thank you very much, Liz. And it's been great to be featured today on your podcast. Thank you again. Thanks for listening to Small Business Big Network. If you found this podcast useful, please do rate, review and subscribe. And don't forget to share it with the rest of your network too.